Please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy. We will be in a few different places here as we take these final moments to encourage Matt as he begins this new season of his ministry life. As we are walking through the book of Acts this year, we are in a section that we really find out what a healthy church looks like. And part of a healthy church is really mentoring and and working with the younger generation to develop leadership and see God work through His grace in people's lives to bring them to a point where they want to then follow in ministry. I was thinking about, uh, I think it was Matt's grandmother who grew up in the foster care system and things like that. And, And the amount of prayers that were probably prayed decades ago for God to change her family for gospel purposes. And she's not here today. She's in heaven. But many of you are praying for your family, for your children. I'm praying for mine. That God will work for his glory. And as we study the book of Acts, we have to believe the same power that God used to establish his church is the same power that he can use in this day and age when it seems so dark And so hopeless. The Holy Spirit is exactly the same. With the same power. And we must believe. That for the next generation. And guys like Matt. And Robert. And JJ. And and others. And we have a host of young families. Over 35 couples in our young marriage class. In the 20's range. That God has brought a, a host of young people. Again, when the world looks so dark, we have a host of young people who say they want to follow Jesus in 2022. It is exciting to see God still work in his church today. So this is a wonderful time of celebration. Of the grace of God changing people's stories taking them from dead in their trespasses and sins and making them alive into salvation and giving them a desire to serve Jesus more than something else. And so when we look at a healthy church, I want to just make sure we understand there are two offices that the Bible speaks of. That of the pastor. There's two other terms in Scripture. Overseer and elder. All three terms refer to the same office. And then the second office is the office of a deacon. And those are the two offices. When you see a healthy church, that's what you should be looking for. And the scripture's clear in 1 Timothy, as we'll look here in just a moment, but other places, like Philippians, Paul spoke directly to the congregation, but then he said, I'm also speaking to you, overseers and deacons. So we know that these are two offices that God designed to serve his church and to serve it well. And I want to refer to, obviously for today, because we're talking about pastoral leadership, 
what is involved in all that, and what is God calling you to do, Matt, and all of us as we come alongside his journey as well? Would you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1? We'll start there. Because it says, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of an overseer, it's a fine work that he desires to do. If any man, so that kind of puts the qualification on it that we believe here at Calvary that the two offices that are represented in the scripture, pastor and deacon, are, full, uh, are fulfilled by a male. And we believe that from this passage and other passages that would seem to indicate this is a masculine form. Women play a vital role in this church. It is, it is a huge thing for us to understand how valuable the role of a woman is here in our church, in our home, in our society. But as far as pastoral leadership goes, the Bible clearly makes that a male responsibility. And when it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, a man desires or he aspires to the office, it is a great work that he desires to do. And there's two verbs here that are actually pretty strong. The first one is that you have someone who is reaching out after something. He's aspiring. It's something he's striving to do. And the second word, desire, is, is there. It's a strong, intense feeling or strong desire that is placed in the heart. Now, in, in the scripture, we have that used in a negative sense, but here it's a positive sense. Where God works in the life of a man to put into his heart the desire, strong desire, to reach out after something, a specific kind of work. And that's what is described here, the office of a pastor. That when this happens, when we see God doing it, this is something that is very, very good. And so we want to just make sure, Matt, today that we understand from your perspective that it is your desire to do this work. And I'm going to be asking Matt a couple questions, actually four specific ones, just so that we as a congregation can have confidence as we finalize this moment of ordination. But my first question is, have you been persuaded to seek the office of a pastor from a heart that loves God and has a sincere desire to promote his glory. I'm going to speak a few moments about these things. But it starts with the desire. No one is, is, is under compulsion to do this. In fact, let's turn to another passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 5 speaks to the motivation behind this desire. So you'll notice in the, in the question that is here... That this desire comes from a love for God, and it was great to hear his own father speak of these things in Matt's life, not just currently, but for the pattern that, that Matt has as he has grown up. But a love for God and a sincere desire to promote his glory. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. So, this work that Matt is saying that he desires to do, 
is one that is motivated and comes from a desire that God gave him. No one's forcing him to do it. His parents aren't forcing him to do it. But it's something that he is volunteering to do because he believe, he believes it fits under the will of God for his life. Now, God doesn't call everyone into this work. And we know that. And I would never want anyone to enter this work unless God gave them the desire. So, we understand that. But as I look at this congregation, even as I was thinking here and in the service already, I was thinking the young people who are listening, how wonderful it would be if God is even today stirring up in young people's hearts maybe this kind of desire. That when they see what the work is, that maybe God would then work in their heart to bring about a similar desire. But it is a desire that wants to serve God and wants to serve God from a vantage point of his glory. John 17 verse 4 speaks of Jesus and his ministry on earth. And Jesus was able to say, I glorified you on the earth by accomplishing the work which you have given me to do. So we say it on a regular basis, but we want our ministry to be God-centered. We want God's glory to be the center of what we do. And Jesus is the example of that. Jesus said elsewhere that his work, really, he compared it to his food. To his food. And in his nourishment, he said, my food is to do the will of, the, of him who sent me. So Jesus is the ultimate example of a minister that's motivated out of the right things. It's, it's a motivation that comes from the glory of God. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. So any ministry that is done needs to be done for the glory of God. Not for any kind of selfish ambition or any kind of motivation that would not please God. If you go down there in the text, it says that not only to over, uh, exercise oversight and under, under compu- and compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples of the flock. So we have here very clearly in Scripture that it's a work of God in a heart, given a desire, and it's the church's responsibility to then come alongside and see if that desire is motivated out of the right things, and it has been a blessing to serve with Matt. Matt came on about four years ago, and his initial job description was to come alongside and help me, like help my life organize, and in and, and, and that first year, he did such an amazing job to help me, and he still serves me every single week here at the church, but it was quickly uh, evident that Matt had many skill sets, and, and um, to organize my life is, is, is this, I don't know if that's a simple thing, I'm just not that complicated, but he can handle much more, right? So my point is that he was able to then, over the last several years, exercise his gifts for ministry in regards to serving the body. He teaches a regular Sunday school class, he's preached, he's served us in the music ministry, and, and so it's been neat to see God work in his life. And as a pastoral team, we believe Matt is motivated out of the right things. And, and we believe that it is God's glory that is motivating Matt. But I want to take one more opportunity before we do this and ask Matt this question. So Matt, I'm going to ask you, and you can verbally respond to me, okay? 
Have you been persuaded to seek the office of a pastor from a heart that loves God and has a sincere desire to promote his glory? Yes. Oh, you even got a mic on. That's awesome. Oh, it's hanging off the side. Didn't even know it was on. That's perfect. (laughs) All right, question number two. Do you commit by God's grace to live, uh, to adorn the gospel, and to provide an example of godliness before the flock over which God has made you an overseer? So, This next point that I would like to address is simply the fact that the responsibility is is great on a preacher. And and it's great in a number of ways, but primarily it is to live out before the flock what the gospel looks like. And so the idea of to adorn yourself with the gospel and provide an example. Where does that start? Well, I would suggest adorning yourself with the gospel is to really develop a pattern of life where you are preaching the gospel to yourself each and every day. Why do we need to preach the gospel to ourselves? Well, sometimes pride can slip into our hearts, and we can, once we come to know Jesus and God changes us and we start to really align with his word, sometimes pride can motivate us and and slip into our hearts, and we can start to think that we're better than what we really are. We can start to think that some of this goodness that's coming out in our lives is because of us and our hard work. And the reality of it is, It's only by the grace of God that we are anything. In fact, the scripture tells that apart from Christ, we can do absolutely nothing. And so at no point in a preacher's life should they get to the point where they think highly of themselves. Adorning yourself with the gospel is believing that I am a sinner saved by grace. It is only by God's gracious work in my life that I am anything. I was totally depraved in my desires, in my heart, and God made me alive into salvation. And so it is by that we lead the example of the church to follow. That there should not be a heart that thinks much of the individual at all. We think much of Christ. And so, Matt, with this comes the responsibility of living this out, providing an example of godliness uh, before the flock of which God has now made you an overseer as well. Would you turn with me as well to uh, the book of Titus, please? Titus chapter 1. Because there's a list of qualifications here that God gives those who have this desire and the life that is supposed to follow. Look at verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I have directed. So that's that word ordaining or appointing. That's what we're doing here today. Paul left Titus to work with the churches in every city to see what we're doing today established in this time. Verse 6, Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, 
For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving, what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-control, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict." So we have this list, and it's a pretty hefty list. And I said in, as we preached through 1 Timothy a couple years ago, this list here in Titus and in 1 Timothy, really those qualifications are the things that we all should be striving after. If you take the word elder out of the context here and you just started listing through these things, these all match the heart of God for every individual. But for someone who is aspiring, someone who's reaching out for this office, these things should be present in the life. And we won't go through each one of them, but these things are the work of God. Again, it's not anything in and of ourselves, but it's the work of God, grace that is flowing in the life and through the life that someone can then put away the deeds of the flesh, like being self-willed, quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gains. So the motivation can be the glory of God, not any kind of uh, reason to use people and try to take advantage of someone, or even power to, to lord it over, but, but really motivated out of the right things. And when grace comes out of the life, what comes out? Hospitality, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout. These are all things that we should all strive after, but they must be present in the heart and life of those who desire this office. And so this is the question for Matt at this point. Do you commit by God's grace to live, to adorn the gospel, and to provide an example of godliness before the flock over which you have been made an overseer? Yes. All right, question number three. There must be, and just in summary, a commitment to God's word. Do you promise to be faithful in maintaining the truths of, God, of the gospel and in promoting the purity and peace of the church? We're in Titus. If you look in verse 9 there, it says that the preacher, the elder, the pastor, is to hold fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching. So that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. So this question is sculpted around his commitment to the word of God. Does Matt love the word of God? We've answered that question, yes. But is the commitment there to continue to use the word of God as the center of his ministry? First Timothy talks about that as well, that, that we are constantly nourishing our lives on the words of faith and good doctrine which you have been from which you have been following first Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 so there must be a commitment on the heart of a pastor to help fulfill the purpose of the church and keep that pure we are to be the pillar and support of the truth And pastors are supposed to oversee that process to make sure the word is what saturates our lives, it saturates our worship, it saturates everything that we do. We are the pillar and the support of the truth. That's what the church is. And as a pastor, we must be committed to holding fast the faithful words of God. Now, I say that even knowing that probably in Matt's lifetime, there's going to be a day when this will be challenged, 
challenged in the fact that there will be those probably who will in some way oppose the gospel. I believe that in my lifetime as well. That the days are coming when there is going to be such a clash of worldviews that anyone who holds to a Christian worldview is going to have to stand up for their faith. And there will be some opposition to it and even persecution probably. So for a pastor to take on the responsibility, there is even a greater uh, responsibility to, to, to say, you know what, I will help lead a group of people, whether it's here at Calvary or somewhere else, I will help lead a group of people to stand firm on the gospel and the truth of God, even if that brings about opposition and persecution. So this is a commitment. That's why I use the word in the question. So, Matt, do you commit by God's grace? I'm sorry, that was the last one. Do you promise to be faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel and in promoting the purity and peace of the church? Yes. And the final question I have for Matt is, will you strive to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of your duties as a minister of the gospel? I read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, that this is actually a work. This is a, a, a thing that one man commits to, that this is a work that he wants to do. So I believe every, God has called every man to work and to provide for his family. And this is a specific kind of work. And God gifts individuals to serve him, and specifically for a pastor, he gives the gifts of preaching and teaching and other gifts that would complement the kind of work that it is. And so someone is, must be a good steward of that. And so we're asking Matt in this moment that he will, as much as it depends on him, by God's grace, strive to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of the duties of being a minister of the gospel. You know, when I first started out, I would have people, not people inside the church, but people outside the church, when I would explain to them I was a pastor, they would say, oh, you just work on Sundays. You must have a great job. And I, you know, what do you say at that point? It's like, okay, you know, do I, do I have to, like, defend myself? But I, I think you guys understand this, but Matt, I'm just talking to you specifically that, you know, this work that you're aspiring to do that you say you have a desire to do, it is not an easy one. And it's one that requires a lot of sacrifice in the sense that you have to be willing at any time to serve people. And there's wisdom with that and guarding the family, and I, and I understand all that. We try to keep really healthy things here at Calvary. But this is a work that, that requires a lot of hard effort and a lot of, a lot of diligence and so as a gospel, as a minister of the gospel, we are asking you to really strive to be faithful in this. And Matt is a hard worker. And, and I can say that working with him for the last four years. But it is important that you understand in this moment you're, 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 you're committing to something that is really, really important. And you don't want to ever tarnish the name of the gospel or tarnish the name of our Lord in saying, oh, you know, there's a guy and... He really hasn't done much with his gifts, and he hasn't really been very faithful in working for the Lord. So we, I'm encouraging you, and I'm charging you to work hard in the gospel. To make sure that you are faithfully using the gifts that God has given you 
for his glory as long as God allows you to serve his church. And that could be for a long season of time or that could be for a short season of time. We don't know your future. But we understand it's really, really important in this moment. And so, Madam, I ask you one final question. Will you strive to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of your duties as a minister of the gospel? Yes. And as we close, I want to just give a few thoughts to the church. Would you turn to Hebrews, please? One more passage, Hebrews chapter 13. As I started with, the call of a pastor comes from a church. And we understand it's our responsibility to do this, according to Titus 1.5. But as well, 1 Timothy 5.22 says this, Do not lay hands upon anyone too quickly, and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. So there is a warning in the scripture for churches to make sure that this person is not a new convert and to be very careful that this ordination process doesn't happen too fast. And so we have taken time over the last four years to make sure that we do this with wisdom. And I I can say wholeheartedly that I think we have operated with wisdom and we have done this well as a church to bring us to this point. Why is it a big deal? Well, we've been talking about how valuable the church is. So to lay hands on someone to say, you know what, you can be an overseer of God's people is is a big deal because the church is a big deal. The value of the church comes from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It tells us that Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. So from God's perspective, the church is so valuable that we must be very careful in this process that we're, we're really operating with wisdom and making sure that we are very careful along these lines. So first of all, we take our responsibility carefully because we love God's church and the value of the church. The second thing I would encourage us as a church is to do some very specific things that the Bible uh, explains here in Hebrews 13 and verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. It's very difficult to stand up and tell a group of people, you need to obey and submit. It's not something that any preacher really should enjoy doing. But the responsibility is clear here. In matters of the church, the Bible says that that we are to obey and we are, to, we are to submit. And we don't like doing those difficult tasks. They're hard. They go against our selfishness. They go against really our, how we came into this world. We don't like to obey our parents. We don't like to obey the law. That's our flesh. But part of living in the society which God has ordained and, and, and organized is within the church, there is an authority structure. And so we need to, as a church, work hard to make this an enjoyable experience for Matt. Because Matt's now in the category of leadership, and so it's important the church now comes under and is willing to obey and submit. And so this passage says, let's do it with, so that the person can, can serve with joy. That they may do it with joy. You know, it's, it's, it's a regular story I hear of pastors who have experienced very difficult things in churches. They've been hurt by people. 
I had a friend just recently uh, that I've known for almost 20 years in ministry who, who committed suicide recently, uh, a pastor of a church. And um, a few months ago, uh, he made the comment, he said, pastors die a slow death of paper cuts. And if you understand what that means is sometimes it's just the, the little hurts. People don't necessarily think they are hurting a person. But in this particular role, it can feel very different. And so I'm so thankful to be at Calvary. I love this congregation. I have, I have had joy here over the last several years. And I want the same experience for Matt. There's many guys who entered the ministry and had horrible experiences, and, and they're no longer in the ministry today because of this very thing. And as much as Matt strives to follow the Scripture and teach in line with the, the Scripture, would you be faithful to come under his leadership and serve so that he can serve with joy. That would be my charge to you. This is a major responsibility that we're doing. But then the second major responsibility is just the day in, day out, obedience to God's word. Obey and submit to the leaders that God has brought about in your life. I would suggest a few practical ways. Pray for Matt and his family. Really you know, include them in your regular seeking of the Lord. That would be a, a huge gift for Matt. I would suggest just caring for him financially, making sure his needs are met throughout the years, maybe ask him from time to time. I would say care for him emotionally. And, and that can come by just understanding that, that as he labors, it's, it's nice to have a little encouragement once in a while. Um, about a week ago, I think it was, I don't even remember what night of the week, I was sitting later in the evening, and I got a text from a man in the church, and it literally said, I just want you to know how thankful I am uh, that you are here at Calvary, and I'm so thankful for, for your service here. And I, that was like God's greatest gift to me, and I texted back, and I said, you have no idea what that meant in that moment. And it was simply a text. It was just a word of encouragement, but God used it, to strengthen my faith. And, and those are the kinds of things that can be such a blessing. So would you please do that for Matt? Would you encourage him? Would you pray for him? Would you try to care for him as much as possible? And so as a congregation, and you don't necessarily have to answer out loud, but my question to you is, are we ready to fulfill the scriptural instruction in regards to Matt being one of the pastors here at Calvary? And every member has to answer that individually. And then collectively, we, we try to honor the Lord as a church. But are we ready to fulfill this scriptural instruction in regards to Matt's leadership over us? And that includes me. Uh, he's over me as well. And, and, and really serve the body well uh, in this season of time. And so I hope your answer is yes. This is God's goodness to us. And uh, I'm praying that God works in a number of ways through this season, not only to really encourage us that we're on the path of a healthy church. God's doing great things. And we want, we want the same Holy Spirit power to stir up within us and, and, and really work for even the next generation. And so um, we have the biblical pattern in the Scripture 
that kind of the final stage of this is where we lay hands on Matt and pray and basically commend him to the Lord. And so we're going to do that at this time. And uh, I'm going to ask the guys who served on the council to come forward as well as the pastoral team. Matt and Chris, I'm going to invite you to come up here and sit down front. And we will pray and ask uh, the Lord to work specifically. The three guys will be praying about Matt's personal life. And then um, Pastor Robert will be praying about his family life. And then Pastor Jerry will be praying uh, for his ministry here among us. So these are the guys who were able to meet that day. I know we have other ordained ministers in the church, and not everyone was able to come and be a part. But uh, this is the crew who came. And so let's come around. Um, Chase, brother, you pray first, and then... Uh, Don's here. I think if anyone wants to just come alongside. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your servant, Matthew. We thank you for his life, his calling, his devotion to you. We know the world would like to entice him with more money, bigger houses, a better car, a bigger library, the things of this world, but we pray that you would protect his heart that his affections would be solely fixed on you. His flesh would like to tell him that sin is good, sin is right, and sin is a worthy goal. Pray that you would protect his mind, protect his heart. And the devil would like to destroy his family, and destroy his relationships, and destroy his ministry. But we know by your word that you even created the devil and that you have power over all of this. You are the sovereign one, the one that redeemed him, that placed him into the ministry. And we know that by the word of God, it says that greater is he who is in Matthew than he who is in the world. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict him of sin, righteousness, and judgment as he goes forth to serve you. We pray all this in your name. Father, as we continue in prayer, our hearts are filled with joy. As Lord, uh, we have been able to observe Matthew over the last number of years, for me, uh, for the past 10 years, uh, just seeing you work in his life. Uh, Up close for the last four years and just knowing him in his heart and his love for you, for his family. Lord, I thank you for his family. I thank you for a mom and dad that uh, shared the scriptures with him and encouraged him and, Lord, allowed uh, just that upbringing to keep him sensitive to your word and to your will. And I thank you for that day that he called upon you. And, Father, you had a plan for him, uh, not only from the beginning of his first breath, but prior to that. You know his last breath, and you know all you will accomplish in those days. And so I thank you for his family, uh, for a family that loves you and have set a good example for him. I thank you, Lord, that you have called him uh, as your child and as your servant. I thank you for Carissa, Lord, her love for you and for Matt, and I pray you protect this family. I pray, Lord, for Matthew as a husband, that, Lord, he would indeed love Carissa well, that he would follow the scriptures all the days of his life, and, Lord, uh, 
be an encouragement to her and to protect her and to nourish her and cherish her and that you would just keep them close to thee. I thank you, Lord, that Matt now has the experience of a father and all that he has experienced as a son. Lord, as he ministers to his daughter, I pray that you would bless him, that he would bring her up in the admonition of you, that he would guide her, and he would have the blessing one day of leading her to you. We thank you, Lord, for this family. We pray a hedge of thorns about them. Keep the evil one out. Keep their hearts, their desires, and their mind on you. And Father, we'll rejoice what you do in the precious name of Christ, we ask. Amen. Father, what a wonderful service we've had this morning, just being reminded of what you've done in the life of Matt. We give you thanks that you have placed this desire in his heart to serve you as a pastor in your church. We thank you that you prepared him in all those little insignificant moments seemingly throughout his life that have prepared him for this day and this calling. So we give you thanks for that. We thank you that you have counted him worthy and faithful, calling him to the ministry. So now we come before you and ask some things for his life and ministry. We pray for his preaching. Matt's a gifted communicator, and we thank you for that because we have benefited from that at the church. We pray that he will use it well. We thank you that Matt desires to be a gospel light in this broken world, this dark place. He has a heart to share Christ. So we pray for boldness. He's a gifted administrator. You've prepared him to do these things. He has skill sets that have proven this out. So we ask that you will help him, by your grace, to use it well in your church. In his ministry, I pray you will protect him from a heart of pride, from harshness, from frustration with the people he serves. And help him by your spirit to fight temptation and sin in his own life. We pray for gentleness and grace towards others. Father, will you strengthen him in the work you've called him to do. Sustain him in the battle. Remind him in his service that you are his shepherd, Lord Jesus. And he can depend on you. And we pray for us as a church to support him and to encourage him along the way as we all benefit from his ministry to us. So, Father, as we commit him and commend him to ministry, we pray that you will go before him and you will strengthen him to the task you called him to do. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.